uh, these readings here, um, they're just loaded. <laughs> you know, um, I'll just say, reminding us here um, that Jesus says at the beginning of, of this reading, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And so um, that's um, one of the, it's so important to remind ourselves of this. Now, one of the things that we have in difficulty with today in the today's world, um, especially in the American culture, because the American culture is not a Catholic culture. It was based on a Protestant ideology. And one of the things that they have, what, what, it's not all Protestants believe this, but some of them have said, oh, uh, because of the law of circumcision, all of the old law can be thrown out. So there was a popular belief in that. And with that, they threw out the Ten Commandments. And so it is important to understand that there's a difference between the law of Moses and the law of God. Blessed are those who follow the law of the Lord. And the Ten Commandments is the law of God. God himself wrote the law on stone with his own hands. They are permanent and they are forever. And as it says here in the Old Testament in the first reading, no one does he command to act unjustly, to none does he give license to sin. So a lot of times, especially in this culture, like, oh, I'm old enough, I can decide for myself. No, absolutely not. That goes against the Bible, that goes against faith. We do not have the right to decide for ourselves what the church teaches or which laws in the church or the laws of God we can be obedient to and not be obedient to and get to heaven. Can you do choose? Yes, but at your own risk. Do you not have to obey the law of God? Yeah, but God doesn't have to allow you into heaven either. Risk management, that's life. Where are you going to place your risks? You know, um, so that's it. And so, um, and so he poses for us at the beginning of this reading, if you choose, you can keep the commandments. They will save you. If you trust in God, you too shall live. So being obedient to the commandments of God is very, very important. It's essential for salvation, right? Um, now saying this, we also have to trust in God in his mercy. If there is a sin in the Ten Commandments that we have committed, they're in your past. As long as you have confessed those sins, they're forgiven. If you have not confessed those sins, you need to confess them in order to get to heaven. I beg of you, please confess them. Confess them before a priest. 
Get absolution so that you can be free here. See, a lot of people, what they do is they'll complain against the church. They'll fight against the church because there is shame in their soul. When they have shame in their soul, it locks them in, in, and then they don't ask for forgiveness. What you want is guilt for your sin, and then go to confession, be forgiven, and be free. So God points out the guilt in our soul so that we can be free. Not that so we would despair and lock ourselves into shame. So that's the difference between shame and guilt. Shame is when a soul chooses not to have faith in God's mercy and does not ask for forgiveness and confession. Guilt leads us to confession, and so we go to confession, are forgiven in our sins, and are free, and it leads us to heaven. That's very important. Now, what I would like to focus on in the Ten Commandments, I can go through all these things that would take forever, and, um, and so what I would lo- like to focus on is marriage because that's a big issue today in our society at large. And many Catholics have fallen in this area. And really what it comes down to is we don't have an understanding of what marriage is. Um, you haven't been taught it. And it, quite frankly, it would be difficult to teach the fullness of what marriage is. I'll give you the nutshell. Um, we could, you actually, it would, it would take like, uh, like a semester just to get the basics. And you can actually get certification in marriage preparation stuff, which would take years of preparation to do. You think about this. To understand fully what marriage is, it would take years of classes to understand because it delves into the mystery. So what is marriage all about? The nutshell, marriage is the image of God. Marriage is the very image of God. It's a mystery. We're all made for love. Marriage is for love. God is love. We do not define love, but the very existence of God defines love. God does not define love in a sense of promulgation. He does not say, I am going to tell you what love is. His very being is love and therefore defines love. Marriage as a sacrament. And so we look at, many of you may know, the definition, the short definition of a sacrament. It's a visible sign of an invisible reality. The sign that marriage signifies is love. You are a sign for those who are married. You are a sign not only of love, but love who is God. Love who is God. You are a sign to your spouse. Now, if that weren't enough, 
we also know that a sacrament is what they call an efficacious sign. Big word. Efficacious sign. And that means basically that what you sign, you actually make happen. So it's not just a sign. So like, say, um, okay, it's a sign of God's love. So now imagine, like, putting you in the position of God, not to really do that, but say you got a picture, somebody has a picture of you. I'll say, since we're all children of God, your child has a picture of you. And now they take that picture of you, they take it off the wall, smash it, crumple it up, and throw it away. When we sin against marriage, that's kind of what we do, but not really. Because marriage isn't just a sign. It's an efficacious sign. It is the reality that it signifies. So it is actually like somebody hurting you. That, that's what it's like. Because as spouse, and we look at the marital act, and that's really the heart of it, because the consummation of marriage is how you are the love of God for your spouse. So the marital act was meant to be, by God's plan, an experience of God himself. I'm going to repeat that because this is a big point. The marital act in marriage, which is why it's reserved for marriage alone, when you participate in that, you are an instrument by which your spouse experiences not your love, but God's love. The love you have for one another did not come from you. God is love. And we mean that literally. He is the existence of love. He is the very existence of all love. It did not come from you. God infused his love for your spouse in you in order to share his love to your spouse. This is an amazing gift. And hopefully what you start to see in, in me explaining this, this is your experience, I hope. That through your own spouse, when you come together, you really experience the divine. The divine love who is God. It is something very sacred and holy to God. Now, from that perspective, we start to see how God destined the family to be the domestic church by which your children experience divine love and go out to all the world to change the world. Your marriage was meant to transform the world, not just like me as a priest. Holy matrimony as a sacrament, 
is designed to manifest the love of God to all the world. That is what marriage is all about. And that's just the nutshell. I'm not going into male and female he made them. And God's own image he made them. And what that means about marriage. And how being in an image of God as male and female, you experience the divine as male and female. Because we all equally as male and female reflect the image of God and convey the very love of God for each other. I don't have enough time to even go through all that. You can see, just on that alone, it would take years to really delve into that reality, that sacred mystery of marriage. And what does it mean for me as a priest in celibacy to forsake such something sacred and good for the greater glory of God because marriage is an image of God, but as a celibate, I rely directly on the love of God. There is no mediary between me and God. I don't have a spouse to mediate between that. And so therefore, it is very holy, and in a certain sense, it is exalted. But that doesn't take anything away from the sacredness of marriage and its holiness and how we are called to God for each other to imitate God and to bring the love of God to the world.